Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. You can turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews sounds like it should be an Old Testament book to me, but it's actually a New Testament book, and it's toward the end of the Bible. You can also use your phone. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. And to get us started, going to watch a, a commercial, at least one. And my guess is you have heard, maybe, the AT&T wireless commercial thing is happening. Here's, watch this. I'll shut up. Hey, watch this commercial. Have you ever worked for Dr. Francis? Oh, yeah. He's okay. Just okay? Guess who just got reinstated? Well, not officially. Nervous? Yeah. Yeah, me too. Don't worry about it. We'll figure it out. I'll see you in there. Just okay is not okay, especially when it comes to your network. AT&T is America's best wireless So have you seen these? There's this series of commercials, big tagline, right? Just okay is not okay. Here's another one. Tattoo parlor. First tattoo? Yeah. Relax, amigo. It's going to look okay. Only okay? No worries, boss. I'm one of the tattoo artists in the city. You mean one of the best tattoo artists in the city, right? Something like that, yeah. Uh, aren't you supposed to draw it first? Stay in your lane, bro. Just okay is not okay, especially when it comes to your network. AT&T is America's best <laughs> Did you get Stay in your lane, bro. So, of course, the big idea is this, and there's multiple commercials, uh, but the idea of just okay is not okay, and I think most of us would agree there are lots of areas of life where we're not shooting for just okay. We're not hoping for just an okay relationship. That's not what we shoot for. Or uh, those of us that are married, I'm not looking for just an okay marriage. I don't want to raise just okay kids. You know, although there are moments we might settle for, yeah, I think okay would be an upgrade. But for most of our life, we don't think about just, oh, we, it's not our nature to get pumped about just okay. Um, and I want to shift gears a, a little bit. I would submit to you that God is not all that excited about just okay. He's not into just okay. In Luke chapter 8... It says of Jesus that he traveled about from one town uh, and village to another, proclaiming the, whoops, where are we? There we go. Proclaiming the average news about, that's not what it says. He came to bring good news. There's a verse in John 10.10. 10. If you've been around the church or the Bible, you may have heard of this one. The thief the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's way better than just okay. I, I was hard-pressed to think of an interaction that an individual had with Jesus that following the interaction, if the friend would have come up and said, so how would it go, that they would have said, nah, it was all right. I thought about the uh, general. There's one story about a man who had a crippled hand. And when, after an interaction with Jesus, it was totally healed. So if, you would, if his friends asked him, say, hey, so how'd the healing go? How's that? He would not go, oh, that's okay. Right? It was incredible, wonderful. 
People, thousands of people would gather outside on a mountaintop to hear Jesus talk. He didn't even have a microphone or a sound system, and it wasn't because he was an average communicator. I also, this was a new thought for me, while he was on the cross, dying for your sin and my sin, he, he, he said at the end of that salvation plan, he, did, he said, it is, you know what he said? He said, it is finished. He didn't say, we made some progress. He, he does things well, and I want to push this just a little bit more. I, I think, because of this next text, you could argue God gets a little irritated with just okay. In the book of Revelation, there's communication that God has with seven different Christian groups, churches. And to most of them, he brings encouragement and challenge both. But here in the communication with this church in Laodicea, it says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot, so because you are lukewarm. Now, here's my interpretation of that. You might argue, lukewarm. You know what lukewarm is? It's just kind of, it's just so, it's neither, it's kind of okay. And then look at his response. <laughs> You're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus, in there, God there is like, yuck. Yuck. Like, I'm about to get rid of this because it's just average. So hold those thoughts. This is Chasing God Week. You all know that already. And I just want to underscore, our hope is not to have an okay, like an okay week. We hope we have an okay week. Our plan is not to have an okay week. Uh, I was thinking even just as we bring in speakers for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, we didn't, we didn't span the country for some okay speakers. Bringing in some folks, if you want to put that up on the screen. You know, we're flying Larissa Miller in from Dallas, Texas, not because we just wanted to spend extra on airline tickets. Tom Harmon on Thursday is the... Uh, best person I know personally regarding scripture memory. Uh, some of you may have heard, Tom, anybody heard Tom Harmon speak? Okay, he can, he can you should come just to, because he'll probably do it. This is what, he can dial up entire books of the Bible and quote them. So he does it oftentimes when he shares. It wouldn't surprise me if he would do it Thursday night. He'll start to talk about something, and then he'll say, oh, yeah, it's like in the book of Matthew chapter 5, and he'll say, and Jesus, so when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs. And he'll, like, go through, and you see, here's the deal. Like, he doesn't stop. I'm just pretty impressed. I just did a verse and a half. He does, <laughs> he does, he can do chapters. He will he will be planning on getting to like, to like verse 32 of chapter blah, blah, blah. And he'll go, and he'll start at the beginning of the chapter. And he'll go, and you're like, is he really? And then you'll get, and he'll get to verse 32. And I'm like, you just quoted like the whole, he can, sorry, he's pretty good. <laughs> at, this, at this stuff, we're setting aside extra time to worship. 
making sure we're flexible with prayer. So our hope is it'll be really good. And today I want to get us start, started this week by dealing with some verses that I think are going to give us some keys to not just having an okay spiritual life, but arguably a great spiritual life. I need to tell you the context of Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12 comes right after Hebrews, it's not a trick question, 11. And Hebrews 11 is a description of some of the greatest people of faith in history. Some people call, here's a little insider, some people call Hebrews 11 the hall of faith. And even if you don't know much about the Bible, you may have heard of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and these people who were not just okay at following God. They were, they were great at it. There's one section toward the end of the chapter that describes some people like this. It says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, shut the mouths of lions, escaped the edge of the sword. How about this? Women received back their dead, raised to life again. That's not an average day in the life of a Christian. This is a remarkable things. And so that's chapter 11. And then chapter 12 begins with the word, therefore. So chapter 12 is, resp- is a response to chapter 11. Side note, if you ever come across the word therefore in your Bible reading, take a moment and see what the therefore is there for. And go back. It's a trick, right? But some of you have heard that before. It's helpful because if you come to a therefore, you should go back and read what the therefore is there for. All right? So in Hebrews 12... After all these amazing examples of great faith, great people, not average spiritual lives, in chapter 12, here's how it starts. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those great people of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It's just a couple verses, so let's read them again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So again, this is Chasing God Week. And what I want to do is give you two, there's a lot more in the text, but I want to give you two ideas that will make your spiritual life more than okay. And by the way, before I pray, I want to pause. Would you, would you consider, is there an area of your life right now that's just really average? I, probably most of us have an area like we'd really like to see improvement. The things that we're going to talk about today can be very specific to that area. So just think of some of those things before I pray. Ready? Let's pray. God, I pray that there would be be traction for improvement. 
And I pray, God, that this week would not just be okay, but during our time this morning, during those of us that will be fasting and praying and giving extra time and attention to you over the next couple days, when we kick it off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, will you make it great, God? We're going to do everything we can do, but we are reliant on you. Make it awesome, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got two things from the text today. Um, The first thing is this. A spiritual life that is more than okay requires, here's the first thing we're going to talk about, dealing, diligently dealing with distractions. We're going to talk about dealing with distractions. You can write that in on the handout if you'd like. The reason we're going to talk about this is the part of the text that says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so I'm attaching that to this word distractions, the stuff that gets in our way from greatness spiritually. And actually, we'll focus on this easily entangles. Here's what the word means in the original language. By the way, it means easily entangles. You can trust the Bible, what the Bible says, that's what it means. Sometimes by exploring the original language, you can get a little more insight. Easily entangled. It's that word, euperistatos. It's kind of a fun word. I probably botched it. It's probably something. But that's basically it. I just like to call it euper. It's euper. But it means easily encircled or, and there's our word, distracted. Distracted. This last... Tuesday, uh, I was by myself and trying to, uh, you know, be a Christian, try to do that, trying to be a Christian by myself, spending a little bit of time with God that morning, and I realized something. I felt some conviction. You ever felt that? Here's what I realized. Somehow, I had slipped to becoming just an okay husband. I don't know if you've ever... By the way, this is not the first time I've ever just been an okay husband. You know, every so often in my life, I'll go, ah, Jesus. So I realized I've become an okay husband. And so I was making plans, and I was interacting with God and making plans to repent to my wife and just basically ask her forgiveness and recommit to being a good husband. That's like, you know, because I didn't, didn't get married to be an okay husband. I thought, let's be a good husband. So I'm in the midst of that plan. But here's the, here's the idea. Did you know that I didn't plan on slipping into the okay or average husband realm. I just got distracted. I, does that make sense? I really didn't, like, three weeks ago, just think, oh, hey, let's just become dumb. And blah, 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 blah. this wasn't my I thought, I don't, I actually, I don't know what happened. I just realized all of a sudden I wasn't where I wanted to be or should be. And I was because of, most of the time when this happens in my life, it's just because of stuff. It's like your life, right? There's just all this stuff, this stuff. Have you ever been there where you realize, <laughs> you go, how did I get here? Like you physically, financially, relationally, spiritually, and you're like, when did I turn off the, the, the good highway to stupid landville? Where I am 
Does that make sense? Here's what I would argue, and we're going to talk about. Most of the time, many times, that is not a sudden, whoops, I ruined my life. It is a slow slip because we get distracted over time. I, this is not a fill-in-the-blank, but I, if I could redo the fill-in-the-blanks, I'd make it something like this. The greatest danger in life isn't quick death, but slow decline. We just end up slowly becoming distracted. There's an important parable, a teaching story that I think applies to this idea of distraction. In Luke chapter 8, it's also, I think, in Matthew chapter 13. Um, it's the story of, it's the parable of the sower or the seeds that get sown and they represent the kingdom of God. Some of you have heard this. So I'm not going to go through all the deeply into the whole parable, but there's four different seeds, and it says a farmer goes out to, to plant seeds, and the first seed falls on like a path and doesn't even get started because the birds come and eat it, and it doesn't even penetrate the ground. The second seed gets started, but the soil is really rocky, so as soon as it gets really hot out, it dies. But we're going to focus on the third seed, which is apparently in pretty good soil, but it grows up among Weeds. Here's what the verse says. It says, other seed fell among thorns. Uh, it's not far away, like weeds, which grew up with it and choked the plants. So what I want to do is do an illustration. Justin, will you help me? It's not hard. You just have to come up here and stand. All right, Justin, everybody welcome Justin to the stage. Yeah, come on up. Stand right here and be a Christian plant. That's what he's going to be. He's a committed Christian plant. Look at him. You're doing well. He loves God. He's going to serve Jesus. Here's how this, here's how this weed thing works, right? Because he's a Christian plant. You're good. Hey, we both have, a, have the little fuzzy lip thing going. Look at that. We're brothers. Oh, no, we're not. We're not brothers. He's a Christian plant. I am, hard for you to imagine, the weed. Thank you. <laughs> Everybody like, the weed! <laughs> what? Yeah. Even the children are crying out. The weed. Run away from the weed. Okay. Here's how weeds work. We'll see if I can. Here's how weeds work. Here's the deal. Weeds don't choke plants with, with super speedy ninja skills, right? If I'm a weed, you'll never see a weed grow up and go, <laughs> and in four seconds choke out. the. That's not how, how do weeds work. Weeds work more like this. By the way, in the, in the scripture, it actually indicates three weed-like things in life. The first one is uh, life's worries. These will come up on the screen. Life's, the, the worries of life. The second one in Matthew calls it the deceitfulness of wealth. And then the third one, and this comes from Luke, it talks about pleasures. 
And so what happens is, if I'm because I'm the weed and he's the Christian plant, what happens is the weed just, if you can leave those up on the screen, the weed just, what's the first one? Worries of life. It just kind of reaches over and it dangles some worry around Justin. Just a worry because he's, you know, so he's worrying about how my kid's doing. And it's not, hor- like it's not killing him. But he adds that. And then lay the worries of life. The other one's the deceitfulness of wealth. And so he's like, let's buy a car. Let's buy it. And then he likes the first car. And so he thinks, why not get another one? And so then he he goes, oh, see, here's this some I've done. So he goes into debt for something because it feels like it's not bad, but it feels like it's okay. And so he, he does that. And then another one might be like with material possessions. He, he decides he needs a, he decides he need a, needs a boat. And what happens over time is... It just gets worse. What's the number? Pleasures. And so some pleasures, folks, are great. But if you're not careful, you can, what's a pleasure? Uh, a hobby. Facebook. Or in Netflix. Um, pleasures. Uh, sex. That's a pleasure, Right? What are you guys, weird? Yeah, that would be a pun. <laughs> but, if you're not care- but if you're not careful, right, those pleasures, margaritas. <laughs> We're just having fun. But, but here's what can happen over time, and you get the point. A weed does not attack you in a moment. All that stuff I just mentioned in, in measure can be like, okay, stuff. But if you're not careful... The, you know what? Well, you know what'll happen? <laughs> wow, he is a super Christian. In fact, I'm going to stand away and just watch God. Okay. But the but here's the danger, right? and this is important. Don't be deceived. That stuff can still choke you. That's what the text says. It gets choked. I'm attaching this to this whole idea. If we're not careful, the distractions of life will not just become distractions. They will be dangerous. And choking is choking. Did you want to supernaturally just let that fall off or do you need? (laughs) Let me help you out. Hey, uh, just applaud Justin because he was really nice and he did really well. Thanks, buddy. With that idea, just a little self-assessment question. You can ask yourself, how is your spiritual air supply? You choking? Now, I do have some good news in the midst of this. Actually, this is great news. This is not too deep, but it's great news. You're not a plant. It's a parable, an illustration. You're not a plant. You don't have to stand for that. The reality is, Justin is a follower of Jesus. He does not have to stand there and let all that stuff happen. Our text actually says, let us throw off 
everything. There it is. Whose responsibility? Who's empowered? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have Jesus Christ in you to say, I'm not going to take that on. I'm not going to worry about that. That's some, that's, this is God's problem. Does that make sense? It's a responsibility. You can write this in. I think there's a fill in the blank. Yes. The condition of my spiritual condition <laughs> is primarily in my court, or at least significantly in my court. There are. There are a lot of things in our life, in your life, that God will say, detangle yourself. Now, the flip side, I, was, I would also give good news to those of us that get so tangled up that we're immobilized. Jesus Christ, God, is also the kind of God, when we're like that, he is a master detangler of our life as well. So there's all kinds of good news in the midst of it. Question, to finish up this point. Is there a distraction in my life that I'm living dangerously close to? A weed, a thorn... Time to get out your spiritual pruning shears and hack that thing down. So the first idea is the spiritual life that is beyond okay diligently deals with distractions. The second one, the spiritual life that's beyond okay requires focusing exclusively or intently on Jesus. There are a couple other things we could look at at the text, in the text, but I want to look at the phrase fixing, right? Let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I'll begin with this. Uh, what, most of the time when I think of fixing our eyes on Jesus, now I remember something that happened a few years ago. I was watching a mom try to get the attention of her, my guess is four-year-old. And she was doing the, maybe you've seen this, maybe you've been here, she was doing the, Billy, 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 look at me, look at me, look at me, Billy, look at me, look at me, Billy. I remember it was this extent, Billy, look at me, Billy, Billy, <laughs> Billy, <laughs> look at me, Billy. You see, you've been there. You've seen this happen. It's so much so that she, that she pulled out the vice grip hands around Billy's face. And she, it got to the point where she was whole cupping his face, looking at him going, Billy, look at Billy. And Billy was, was doing this. No matter, what, no matter what she did. Like even though he, he's immobilized now in the vice, his eyes were still going, I don't want to look at you, mom. And so here's the idea with that is two things that I want to talk about. The one is I wonder how often God feels that way about me or us when he's like, will you look at me? Will you just look at me? Look at me. Mark, look at me. Look at me. 
And I'm, you know, I don't know if I want to, because what if you, I don't know what you're going to say, and, and I'm kind of busy, and Netflix is on, and blah, 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 thing. That's one. But in the second idea, and this is where I want to land for a moment, is I want to try to bring some motivation to our lives to take the time and, and focus on God. I want to give just some motivations. Did you know, uh, folk, what's the text say? Fixing our eyes on Jesus brings benefits to our lives? Let me give you a few verses. There are promises associated with this. In 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name, that's us, if you're a follower of Jesus, will humble themselves and pray, and part of the picture is, seek my face. And then look what happens if we will do those things. Part of it is, seek my face. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Mostly, what we need as a land, as a community, as a country, mostly what we need is not going to get fixed by some kind of political system or this or that or this person. It's mostly, I would argue, at least from this text... You know what we need is a bunch of people who are called by God to give God the attention he deserves. And let's, does that make sense? It's not the only thing. Boy, there'd be benefits to focusing on God. Another verse, Psalm 34, 10 says, those who seek the Lord, that's the idea, fixing our eyes on Jesus, lack no good thing. Similarly, in Matthew 6, 33, the, the uh, invitation is to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be given to you as well. Here's an idea you can write down. A clear focus on God can have a major effect on my life. This is not just theory. The attention we give to God brings results in our life. A clear focus on God can have a major effect on my life. I want to try to explain something I'm just experiencing now in my own life. It is not just the there's not just power in this extended gaze looking at Jesus. Let me, I'll try to explain it this way. Up until this last Tuesday, where I'll tell you about just a little experience that I had, whenever I would picture fixing our eyes on Jesus, this, I just pictured Jesus in heaven, sitting on a throne, basically doing nothing. This is what I picture. Something, that's not exactly how I picture Jesus, but something, the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And so whenever I'd fix our eyes on, I would picture Jesus sitting on the throne, basically saying, yes, it's so good that you're looking at me. Thank you. Look at me. Well, it really wasn't doing much. Now, some of you are way more spiritually mature than I am. But that's what almost my whole, yeah, we're going to fix our eyes on Jesus. By the way, there's benefit to that because it gives us direction. Like, I'm heading that direction. But I had this new experience Tuesday morning. I'm in this 
uh, planning session with God on how I'm going to repent and be a good husband now for the rest of my life. Every day I'm going to be amazing. Um, and so I made a plan. I was going to talk to my wife and do that, that whole thing. And, while, and in the middle of it, I'm also contemplating this text because I know I'm going to teach on it this weekend. And I thought, Jesus, I'm going to fix my eyes on you for a moment. And here's the deal. Instead of just sitting there in his chair, and I, I, what I imagined in my mind's eye, and here's what he said to me. It's like he said something into my heart because I'm like, Lord, okay, I'm going to I got a plan, and I'll tell my wife, Denise, I'll tell her, I'll probably see her tonight, and I'll tell, say, hey, I'm going to be a good husband. Here's what he said. You know what he said? He talked. You know what he said? He said, I'll be praying for you. Now, that may not be a big deal to you, but you know what it did for me? I'm like, thanks, man. Or it was this, oh, you might need to know this verse. Hebrews 7.25 says of Jesus, he always lives to intercede for them. Talking about God's children. Did you know Jesus is not just sitting up in heaven? He's doing things in heaven. And so when we were doing this spiritual interaction, and when he said, I'm going to be praying for you, I like, that's awesome. I actually imagined him leaning over because it says he's seated at the right hand of God. So he'd be leaning over this way and saying, hey, God, will you, will you help him? He's trying to be a good husband, okay? You know what that did to me personally? You know how encouraging that was for me that God's not just some God up there sitting, in some, sitting on some chair? Side note. Some of us, whenever, when we imagine God, our temptation is, or our go-to is, we always picture God sitting on some throne with his arms crossed. We picture the just the judgment side of God. And we don't look toward him because we know he's just going to be doing this. Jeez. Mark. Idiot. Don't you know my commands? Why do I put up with you? Can I just tell you? And this is in Christ, in Jesus. Can I tell you something? You are on God's heart, Jesus Christ, in a positive way. The Bible says he's praying for you today. See that hard thing that you're going through or that difficult thing? We should focus our attention on God because some of that time he's looking down and he's going, I'm praying for you. I know that's hard. There are some other things that Jesus does. So it says he, uh, oh, but John 5, 17 says, my father is always at work and to this very day I'm working. There are times if we fix our eyes on Jesus, he'll say, I'm working. You think I'm not working, but I'm working. I'm working that out. In our text for the day, fixing our eyes on Jesus, he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's like, I'm just perfecting your faith. Look up here, I'm perfecting your faith. So it's not, did you know faith is not just about good feelings all the time? Sometimes it's about getting better and character. He's like, I'm perfecting your faith. The last one was another fun one for me. There's probably more texts we could look at. But it came from John 14, 2, where Jesus says to his disciples... When he's preparing them, he's basically saying, hey, pretty soon they're going to kill me and I'm going to go to heaven. But he says, my father's house has many rooms. I am going there to heaven. 
I'm going there to prepare a place for you. You know something that Jesus may be doing on your behalf today? Really? He's like, he's painting your condo in heaven. Like the Bible's not joking. Jesus is preparing a place for you. Now that may be encouraging for those of us who are right in the middle of the hard times of faith. If Jesus says, don't you keep going. He's keep going. Keep going, man. I am setting up a room for you. It's going to be awesome. Keep, don't quit. Because you're going to have a couch that's cool in heaven. Or whatever you like. It's going to be your color. Beige. <laughs> or something. I don't know what color you want. But God does these things. And if we can keep growing in our fixing our eyes on Jesus, this is my thought, and it's true. So much of fixing our eyes on Jesus, as we develop that skill, will bring nothing but, that's a pretty strong statement, nothing but encouragement in your life because he is working on our behalf. Beige. <laughs> mauve. I want them to be mauve. I don't even know what mauve is, but. Okay. Two final fill in the blank questions. What do I imagine Jesus is doing? Hmm. I, I feel a little bit of a leading here. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you. Lean in and, f and figure that out. None of this works with God being distant. None of it works. You need him personally in your life. And right now, if that's you, you'll feel, Grape Road, it might be somebody there. You'll feel a tug. You'll be like, this God stuff doesn't sound near as bad as I always thought it would. God's a good God. He wants goodness for our life. He came to save us from the mess that we make of life. What do I imagine Jesus doing? The last one is, what am I willing, I'm sorry, am I willing to offer him my full attention? Am I willing to offer him my full attention? That applies to this week, chasing God. Will you give him as much attention as you can? Will you sign up to, to do the fast thing and try? Will you be here every night you can be? I think God's preparing to do something, something way better than okay. Now, before we sign off to Grape Road, hey, Grape Road, uh, I know Pastor Steve's up there. Make sure you do an offer of salvation in case there's somebody there who needs personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, so now we're going to move into a ministry time. Would you stand? Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.